having to do that. Um, God, do you hear me? Uh, and Jesus knows your needs before you ask. Turn around to somebody right now and say, hey, don't forget, Jesus knows your needs before you're asked. There you go. I mean, like Laura had a bit of wisdom here. Laura said she doesn't even know what she needs most of the time. And then, and then John, Johnny, Jonathan, what did you say? It's important to always say thank you for everything you've got before you ask for anything. Yeah, that's right. But we think, we think that we are doing something by praying. Why won't somebody do something? Well, I can at least pray. What's, well, how often do we tell each other? Well, there's nothing to do now but pray. As if that was nothing. The last thing. (laughs) That's right. But very often, the first thing we should do in prayer is be still. Don't start asking before you've been still, before you've you've been listening. Um, But we we get squirmy. even, Even in our minds, we want to fiddle with stuff. And when you do that, you are quenching the Holy Spirit's ability to bring you peace. And here's why. There's this little part of your brain uh, right at the back at the bottom called the amygdala. And the amygdala is in charge of like all of your automatic reactions to stuff. Um, And it's, it's the thing that, your amygdala is the thing that makes you jump and go, ah, when you see a snake, involuntarily. Uh, and your amygdala is what kicks in any time when you're feeling a threat or, or pressure about something. And it, and it um, interrupts your ability to think logically. It short-circuits all of your higher-order brain functions because when you're feeling threatened, this is called fight or flight. And you've all heard it. Um, but when you're threatened, all you really need to do is run faster or hit harder. Um, and so the amygdala reorganizes your whole nervous system um, and shuts down any function that doesn't uh, give the ability to run faster or hit harder. Run away or stand and fight. But also, but, but because of all the traffic jam that goes on, there's one... We hear the fight or flight syndrome, but there's one other uh, possible thing that can happen. Uh, Not just fight, not just flight, but there's one other thing. Do you know what it is? Freeze, just absolute paralysis. You just, the train is coming and you're on the track and you're getting so many panic signals from here and you don't know what to do and you just stand there and the train runs over you. so, so even if you're feeling stress or you're feeling pressure about anything, uh, and what you want more than anything else is to just get the peace of God, the first thing you have to do is turn off your amygdala. And the only way to turn off your amygdala is to stop fiddling with things in your brain. You just have to stop. Um, most people have have a struggle with that because they think they're just being passive. But God can't get your attention as long as you're trying to get his attention. 
Um, and so one of the things that works really well is, um, and some of you may have an experience, experience with this, but I, uh, I won't do a big long teaching into it, but it's this, this, this concept called mindfulness. Have, have any of you ever, any of you learned how to practice something called mindfulness? You read about it. Uh, it's, it's way less complicated than it sounds. Um, but what you do is you go and sit someplace comfortable. Try to relax as much as you can. And I've talked to you before about deep breathing, right? Where you just breathe in really slowly through your nose. Favorite for a count of, let's say, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Hold it for five seconds. Then breathe out really slowly through your mouth for a count of another five or six seconds. And you just start doing that, okay? But at the same time, put your full attention on what, close your eyes and put your full attention on what it is that you can hear going on around you. Let's just do that. You're not thinking. You're just focusing all your attention. And you can say, oh, I hear, I hear a truck going by. I, I hear the sound of my own breath. I, um, I hear whatever. Let's just do that. Let's just breathe and listen. could do this for a long time so first of all what did you hear when you were just concentrating on nothing but listening what did you hear what kind of sounds sensations Eventually you start to hear your stomach growling because what's this going on too long? Uh, but, okay, so Chuck said if you do it two more minutes, you'd probably fall asleep. What? Oh, Anna? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so when you're doing this, when you're breathing really, really slow, and you are just listening what's concentrating around you, what this does is it turns off your amygdala. There must not be any emergencies going on right now because Laura's just sitting there doing nothing. She's not worrying about anything. She's just breathing. She seems to be relaxed. 
So, okay, all those uh, panic chemicals that I just sent, all that adrenaline that's been going through, you, you know, you know how often we just go through life day after day after day with our amygdala running in the background um, because we can't shut it off because we're always stressed about something. So your amygdala says, well, there apparently aren't any emergencies going right now because he's just sitting there doing nothing but breathing and thinking about birds outside. So shut down all those chemicals, shut down all that stuff. Um, um, There's no emergency anymore. Now you start to feel peaceful. And now you can listen for the voice of the Lord. You'd be surprised that once once you shut down your amygdala, your urgency about begging God for stuff subsides because you don't want to disrupt this wonderful feeling. Your, your sense of urgency melts away and what you're left with is, oh, Jesus, thank you. Just thank you, Lord. Lord, I trust you. All those things I was worried about, I'm just trusting you. Thank you, Lord. How long can I sit here without the phone ringing or me having to get up and do something else. I just want to sit here. So that's how you enter into a a position where the peace of God can become real to you. Takes a little bit of discipline. You ought when you're practicing it, you ought to try to get to where you can do it for 15 minutes. Um, Except Chuck will only do it for about three, then go to sleep, and that's that's really okay. Is that is that helpful? Is that useful but 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 the mindfulness part where you just listen breathing is is a big key but listening to what's happening around you instead of just being in total silence uh, gives your mind something else to focus on and takes your attention off of all the things that are bugging you okay is that cool donald jean A M A M Y G D A L A M O U S E. A M Y G D L A M O U S E. Okay, so let me show, I'm going to show you a picture of somebody who hasn't learned to practice mindfulness yet. Uh, you could probably just look in the mirror and, and recognize somebody who hasn't learned to practice mindfulness yet. Or you could just look at this person. <coughs> Have you ever been this person? R- recently? <laughs> daily. <laughs> this is... This is a picture of a person who uh, has just had something really shocking happen or has just heard some really ridiculous, shocking, uh, 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 
troubling, offensive. I mean, tell, tell me what you think is going through her head right now. Well, maybe she won the lottery. Maybe she. That's right. But she's screaming. Yes, yeah, she's screaming. Um, may, is, maybe, what do you think she's seeing? What's, maybe is, is there like a... Um, she could be about to get in an accident. Uh, maybe there's, maybe Godzilla's coming at her to eat her. Uh, maybe there are zombies out there. Anyhow, something has just happened that totally shocked and surprised her, and she is freaking out. This is a picture of a person who is freaking out. And you want to say, like, take a chill pill or... Okay, you're like, calm down, lady. Just breathe in through your nose for like seven seconds. And breathe out. Okay. All right. So, last week we were in Acts chapter 10. The very end of Acts chapter 10, where, we, where Peter finally gets uh, to, to Caesarea Maritima, and he has a chance to meet Cornelius and uh, Cornelius' friends and relations. The real important thing to remember is uh, the gospel nearly always spreads through relationships. The gospel spread. Cornelius brought his family and his friends there. They all heard the gospel. Um, and that's the way the gospel normally sp- spreads. Through, s- s- you know somebody and you tell them about Jesus and they tell their friends and relationships about Jesus and those people tell their friends and, re- and, and people are drawn in through uh, connections with other people. Um, so anyhow, Peter's in the middle of his big moment preaching to people he was scared to death, right? He was speaking, he's preaching to Gentiles, totally repugnant, We've been all over all of that. And, and about halfway through, the Holy Spirit just interrupts. And the Holy Spirit falls on them. They all receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, oh, well, I, I was going to tell them all this other stuff, but never mind. I guess we should go ahead and baptize them. Um, and there was much rejoicing in the city that day. Peter stayed there a few more days. And then... He goes back to Jerusalem, which is the start of chapter 11. I can't believe I'd ever say Acts chapter 11, but here we are. Um, and, and here's what happens. Now, the apostles and the brethren who were th- throughout Judea heard, they saw a Facebook posting or something, they heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised... Now, those who were circumcised could... All that really means is everybody who was Jewish, all the men who were Jewish, uh, because at this time, the, the new church, the new body of Christ was almost exclusively made up of people who had been Jews and accepted Jesus, right? So all the people who were circumcised, which means practically everybody in Jerusalem who was a Christian, all who were circumcised took issue with him which is another way of saying they got into his face and they said, let me understand this, Peter. You went to uncircumcised men and you, you ate with them? <laughs> they, you ate with them? You ate, I mean, they totally missed the headline, which was, he told them about Jesus and they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, obviously, they had heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God, but they totally skipped past that 
and went to some sort of picky little niggling um, uh, social custom, which is you ate with them. You, you ate with Gentiles and you ate Gentile food. You probably ate meat sacrificed to idols. What? I, 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 don't know, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm just freaking out here. Ah! You did what? And now Peter is, now Peter is really in trouble. Because uh, even though he's, recognizes one of the leaders in the church of Jerusalem. He's not really the leader in the church of Jerusalem. Anybody remember who was considered to be the head of the church in Jerusalem? A guy named James. James, the brother of Jesus. James, a guy who didn't hang out with the disciples pretty much ever until after Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, then like, I don't know... I don't know what that was all about, but, but James was, um, he, he ultimately became a great figure uh, for the church of Jerusalem, but um, Peter was not the king of the hill anymore. This was James, it's James's show, and James was serious about being a Jew, and they were freaking out. You, you went to uncircumcised men and you ate with them? What were you thinking? So, So Peter, it says here, Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence. I'm just going to tell you the whole story. And even though this sounds reasonable, I mean, it sounds like this is going to be a calm conversation. I'm just going to, in sequence, one thing after the other, I'm going to explain to you what happened. I think it probably was more like this. Look, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision. An object coming down like a great sheet was lowered by four corners in the sky and it came right down to me and when I had fixed my gaze on it, I was observing it. I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air and I also heard a voice saying to God, saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And I said, no way, Lord. Not not for anything. I'm nothing unholy or unclean that's ever entered my mouth and I'm not going to do it. But this voice from heaven came a second time and it said, what God has cleansed no longer consider holy this happened three times and everything was drawn back up into the sky but but then behold at that very moment three men appeared at the house in which we were staying having been sent to me from Caesarea of all places and the spirit told me to go down with him the spirit told me to and so I, I didn't think anything of it because it was the spirit who told me that and these six brethren also with, went with me and we entered this man's house and he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying send to Joppa and have Simon the one called Peter brought here and he will speak words to you by which you will be saved you and your whole household and so I, I began to speak I got there we were there I, I began to speak and the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us in the very beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord how they used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to me also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I? Who was I that I should stand in God's way? I was just trying to be obedient to God. I didn't believe me. I didn't like it any better than you guys. The last place I wanted to be was eating with those people in Caesarea. I didn't want to be with Gentiles. I didn't want to go. God told me to go. Don't be mad at me. Don't shoot the messenger. 
I was just being obedient to God. I didn't know what else to do. Focus on these things I've highlighted, though. Do you know how, how significant it is? We've been talking about the Holy Spirit this whole time in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is, the, is really not, it's sometimes referred to as the Acts of the Apostles. It's really the book of Acts straight up from beginning to end, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That's all it is, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And as far back as the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we see how important it was that he received the Holy Spirit in his life when John the Baptist baptized him and he received the Holy Spirit. And then this promise that Jesus gave with him as he was preparing to leave, John baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and of course, it happened to us, and we thought the promise was just for us. Jesus promised he was going to send us a comfort, comforter, and we'd be baptized with the Holy Spirit just like we saw him baptized with, with John the Baptist. And and that was awesome. We've experienced it. But then God gave them the same gift as he gave to us after they believed in the Lord Jesus. I didn't do it. I, didn't, I was still preaching. I was going to tell them a whole bunch more stuff. And the Holy Spirit just... Just... And just shook the whole room and they all started uh, praising God and speaking in tongues. And let me stop here and just say this. Of course, there's a controversy. There are actually entire denominations built around the notion that uh, you haven't really received the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you don't speak in tongues. That, that speaking tongues is the single only evidence that you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's just not right. Uh, there's all sorts of other indications that You've been filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Um, it certainly got people's attention here. Uh, and, and, you know, I can say with Paul, I, I'm glad I speak in tongues, and I, and I wish that all of you spoke in tongues. But um, that's not the only evidence. The evidence of the Holy Spirit uh, um, has to do with completely changed lives, being able to live and walk and manifest the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and to be able to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, tongues is one of them. It's not the only one. But the hallmark, hallmark is that when the Holy Spirit comes, you start changing. And it's a process. You don't be, you're not changed completely, instantly, immediately. The Holy Spirit begins to, from the time you say, Holy Spirit, I'm surrendering. I want to be, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit more and more and more. Ephesians chapter 4 actually says, I'm just reminding you of this, you already know it, don't be drunk with wine because that's just a big waste of everything, but instead be filled and constantly refilled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time event. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event. It's a continuous surrender. When you get in those peaceful times, one of, the, one of the most important things that will probably happen is an opportunity to surrender one more time to the Holy Spirit in ways that will continue to change you and heal you and help you and make you more like Jesus. But started here, and he said, I, they got the Holy Spirit. They, they went from being Gentiles to being brothers and sisters. Boom, just like that. So, when they heard this, 
that's all the members of the circumcision, all the Jews who were mad at him, when they heard that, they quieted down and glorified God. Now, how do you do, how do, you do that? On one hand, you're quieted down. On the other hand, you're going, glory to God! <laughs> so the, the secret is that this, this word quieted down, it comes from a Greek word that's, I can't pronounce, so I just decided not to put it in here. Um, um, but it means to stop freaking out. It means, it means um, to, ho- to, um, to go from being all upset and, and in somebody's face and, um, and challenging them to, to holding your peace. Actually, some, sometimes this word could be trans- translated to holding your peace. Stop and drop your arguments because they are no longer valid in the face of something incredible that God has obviously done. God has obviously done. In other words, shut up and listen, be still and know and recognize that God has done something here. God has done something here. It's more or less like, whoa, we never saw that coming. We wouldn't have seen that coming in a million years. That, that not only would God tell you to go and eat with Gentiles, but that, that he would baptize with the Holy Spirit, that never entered our minds that that would ever happen because they were raised as Jews, good, solid Jews. And every good Jew knows that God made a, a promise to Abraham saying that one day the whole world uh, would be populated with Abraham's descendants and they would be the head and not the tail and they would be in charge and they would, uh, and they would dwell in peace and, and all the other nations of the world would come to their doorstep to learn the truth about God and they would be recognized as the heroes that they've always been. It never occurred to them that God would do anything nice for the rest of the world without them converting to Judaism. And they got a big headache trying to wrap their brains about this. It dawned on them that God had done th- something truly surprising and mind-blowing. So they had to. They were forced to give up all their objections and were suddenly holding their peace, at peace, just going, wow. Wow. They look at each other and go, Wow. Look at somebody else now. Wow. 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 All right, so, so this is a little bit trickier, but let's, let's try it this way. Look at somebody again and, and say it backwards. Wow. Mom, mom, wow. Um, um, listen, God is full of surprises. Just, just when you think you've figured out everything there is to know about the kingdom of God, you're full of surprises. I remember. Oh, I can finish this. Let's go here. Punch this button. See what's up here next. In in your relationship with God, in your walk with the Lord, never say never. I I remember talking to my friend Dan Davis. It's been several years ago now. And I forget what theological thing we were talking about. Something that was controversial. And um, 
I remember him saying this about it. He said, um, he, uh, he couldn't exactly find any, any way to corroborate or disprove or dispute this issue we were, you know, this situation wasn't exactly something that was addressed in the Bible. Uh, but he did say, um, I'm not going to say it could never be true because God can do whatever he wants to. And he's God and I'm not. Um, so, I'll, if, I'm, I'm going to always be open to God doing things that I don't necessarily agree with and didn't expect because he's God and I'm not. I thought that was a very helpful thought at the time. So let's go back to this. As far as we know, these folks weren't Pharisees. They weren't the ferocious, you know, super legalistic guy that tithed their dill and their mint and cumin and whatever it was. They, were, they weren't super legalistic and judgmental. They were just good Jews who loved the Lord and loved the law. But still, the law was their life, all right? That's, that's how they've been taught to live. They didn't know anything else but living uh, the law that they've been raised up generation after generation after generation. It was in their DNA. The law was their life. Uh, and, and they loved the law, and they were convinced, convinced that there was no other way to be safely connected to God except by living the law. It'd be like jumping off of a 10-story building with, and, and not expect to be killed because people who jump off of 10-story buildings usually get smushed to smithereens. That's, there's just no other, way can, no other way to think about it. They were stunned. This was important to them. Their belief, they held on to this belief ferociously because it was a matter of life and death. And they were shocked. Shocked and surprised, but ultimately they saw that in spite of their long-held, completely correct doctrinal positions, God was doing something new. Yeah, you understand, these people were not wrong about the doctrine that they had been taught. They were 100% living the right doctrine. They were living according to what they had been taught. They, were, they worked really hard to be in right relationship with God by living the laws, and they weren't wrong it's just that God, overnight, changed the rules. And honestly, I don't think they wanted it to be changed. Because how many of you enjoy change? How many of you are happy when stuff like overnight changes uh, and you weren't prepared for it and you weren't consulted? Here's a, here's a big problem here. The Holy Spirit did not come to the people in Jerusalem first and say, I just want to give you guys a heads up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to some Gentiles tomorrow, and I'm going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to freak out about it. Um, I'm, just, I'm doing kind of a new thing here. It's going to be okay. It can take a while to get used to. But, um, but I'm in control here. No, they just heard about it after the fact in a gossipy kind of way, and they were mad at Peter Peter, we can't let you out of our sight for five days without you going and completely destroying 2,000 years of history and culture. 
in spite of the fact that they were of their long-held, completely correct doctrinal positions, God decided overnight to do something that they didn't expect. Did something new, did something new. We need to be ready to be surprised by God. We work really hard to try to figure everything out. And we study the scriptures so that we can be secure in what we believe. And we pray and we listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, But sometimes it's not for the purpose of discovering new things. It's for the purpose of reinforcing stuff that that we believe and that we feel comfortable with and that we feel safe in. And... Um, we don't very often pray prayers that say, God, please surprise me today and do something that challenges my deeply held opinions and expectations. We don't want that kind of, we don't want that kind of stuff around here. We want, I mean, when it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that means... Uh, that I don't want my beliefs to be changed by anything. I don't want my opinions to be challenged by anything. Uh, Just because Jesus doesn't change doesn't mean that our understanding of the way he works in the world doesn't from time to time need to be challenged and stretched. We open our eyes and and are surprised by new things that we didn't think he would possibly ever do. So I'm just going to ask you this question today. Are you willing to be still and know, recognize and surrender to those surprises when they happen? Um, Maybe that's already happened to you. Maybe you can think of times in the past, maybe even recently, where God surprised you in some way and challenged you in an area where you had to change your thinking or change your opinions about something or somebody. Where this really gets down the nitty-gritty is when we're when we're dealing with relationships sometimes, and I don't, I've, I've, I've got an opinion about this person or an opinion about this situation, and I know I'm right. So I don't have to change. They have to change, not me. And then God surprises you, and it's like, what? Oh, We can't even get the wow part. It's like, ow! I want that to be, I want that to be true. I don't want to have to change. I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to do anything different. I don't want to have to do something new. This is going to happen. Stuff is already happening. These surprises are just going to keep coming and coming and coming because God, if God told us everything, if God revealed everything all at once about his plan and purposes for our lives, um, we would just go lock ourselves in a closet. Uh, not for the purpose of prayer. Uh, and our brains would explode and we would freak out. There are changes. There are surprises. Just call them surprises that, that God is preparing to take us through, to teach us about 
And it will involve us having to say, okay, God, I wasn't expecting this. I don't even really agree with it, and I don't understand it. But I can't deny the evidence that you are in this. So I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you. May God give us grace to trust him and follow him as we, without any notice at all, from day to day, step into new, uncharted waters. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are full of surprises. I thank you that we don't have all the answers. I thank you that we have an opportunity to learn, to grow, to be more useful and to be used by you in your kingdom even if we never thought it would go or be anything except what we wanted. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. And give us the grace by your spirit to simply say, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.